It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement on a gloomy Sunday morning, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but the last podcast was called Life is Good, and truly I felt that way, and I still do, despite what happened yesterday at the State Farm Center. Penn State just seems to bring out the worst in Illinois basketball at the State Farm Center. In 06, I was a, a freshman, and in the Orange Crush, and me and my buddy Matt were right behind the basket on the opposite end of where Rich McBride hit what we thought was a game-winning three to keep the massive 40-plus game home winning streak alive. Didn't count, lost to Penn State. A few years later, I was there with my dad when we lost 38-33. to Of course, that one is infamous. And while we've had a pretty good run against Penn State in recent years and kind of turned the tide on what seemed to be a hex, yesterday, it all came back. Oddly enough, as I sit here on this Sunday morning, I'm not angry. I think a lot of where I'm at with this team has to do with the fact that we got a Big Ten title last year. So there's not this onus on this particular team. There's not this overwhelming pressure that they must do this or they must do that. And because of that, I've sort of taken a backseat, or I should say, allowed myself to relax a little bit and enjoy the process. And I say enjoy, I still am for the most part enjoying what I'm seeing. It's a seven and three team. I'd prefer them to be eight and two and you'd be feeling fantastic if the only two losses remained to be Virginia and uh, Maryland, right? So I'm not gonna sugarcoat it and say that losing to Penn State's not a big deal because I don't think that's necessarily true. However, the way that I feel about it is a heck of a lot different than past year's disappointing losses where everyone felt like, oh, you blew an opportunity. Oh my God, we're not going to win the Big Ten. This is really going to hurt us on Selection Sunday. I'm not getting that sense yet. However, there is an increased sense of urgency. And that really came as a result of what happened at the end of the game yesterday, or really the post game. All of which I kind of tuned out when the game ended. Karen and I went out, did some Christmas shopping and enjoyed a Saturday in December. And I was able to turn the page pretty quickly, but as we've had time to kind of digest what happened and what was said afterwards, wow, okay, this is now a let's see how they respond moment. I feel like I'm sort of uh, falling back on this default, let's see how they respond. That's where I'm at this year. I'm excited to see how this young team, or I should say relatively young with some veteran guys, how they come together, how they coalesce after moments like this. And this is the ultimate test. Now, the good news is this. They got a week. They got a week before Alabama A&M and then five days before they play Missouri, which is not going to be an easy game despite Missouri looking terrible as we expected against Kansas. They are a very deceiving 10-1 and because they have not played jack squat until yesterday when they lose by 30 at home to Kansas. I still think you get a win there. I'd be surly if you don't get a win in the Bragg and Rights game because that would start to become a bugaboo for Brad Underwood. And it was early on in his tenure here. And I am still very much a Brad Underwood stan, as the kids would say. I'm a big, big fan of Brad Underwood. And part of the reason I recorded the podcast Thursday called Life is Good is because I feel like truly you've got your guy. And I still feel that way. And I have his back in the way that he responded yesterday. Maybe I should start with that. 
I don't want to forget this point. I was having my morning coffee and thinking, why am I okay with a coach making fart noises at a press conference? Why am I okay with a coach essentially throwing his team under the bus when I was not okay with Bruce Weber doing that? Let's start with that so I don't forget this point. Because as you probably know, I didn't really come here with notes. I I was so good about that in the football season. Really early on, I had this Google Docs. Okay, hit this, 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 and this. Since I've become a teacher, and I'm I'm not going to become uh, or, or make a comparison between sixth grade riding teacher and head coach of a high-level D1 basketball program, but since I've become a teacher, I have grown to recognize that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't always make them drink. Now, I'm not going to go to my principal and say, Principal Guzman, these sixth graders, bunch of bums. Oh my God, I've been trying to teach them this, that, and the other, and they just aren't getting it. There's no leadership in the classroom. How's that one kid doing, Mr. Carpenter? He stinks. I'm not doing that. It would be wrong for me to do that, given the fact these are 11 and 12-year-olds, right? Let's say, though, I was an AP English teacher in high school, and the kids that were in my classroom were there by choice. They were higher level students that were looking to be successful college students, and my job was to prepare them for that. And I saw a distinct lack of effort and an apathy, let's say. Then I would probably be more prone to tell them, you guys are not holding up your end of the bargain. Accelerate that now even further into college basketball, and especially in the name image likeness era, where these student athletes, these Illinois basketball players, are doing okay for themselves. And it's this is an interesting change in the way that we talk about student athletes. I got in a little bit of hot water with some after the UCLA game when I criticized Coleman Hawkins in that first half. He was terrible. And at what point do we draw the line commentating or analyzing these games and these student athletes? Well, I think it does change a little bit in this climate. And Brad Underwood did this before name image likeness. He would criticize his team for what he perceived to be a lack of effort. If I recall after the Michigan State game in 2020, this is January 2nd, that team was struggling at that point. They stunk it up yet again to the Breslin Center. We didn't know where they were going. They responded fairly well after that game and had a great end to the season. I anticipate something similar happening here. How soon we'll know, I don't know. Because Alabama A&M, you aren't going to learn anything. Missouri, I don't know how much you're going to learn, but I think a little bit. There's one more scrub team on the schedule, and then you have a fairly light start to the Big Ten schedule. But I'm not taking anything for granted. At Nebraska, well, we saw Purdue yesterday. The same darn thing could happen to us. This team does need to tread carefully here, and Brad Underwood does need to figure out what buttons work and what buttons do not. But as someone that is a teacher myself in a very, very different way, so again, apples and oranges, I can understand the frustration when you do everything you can and you feel like you've pushed all the buttons and and tried everything in your toolbox and there's just this blankness on the other side. You are not getting the response you want. Sometimes parents would say, well, the teacher's not doing their job. 
while after five years in that profession myself, I'm a little bit more sympathetic to the plight of teachers that try and try and try, and sometimes you just don't get the result you're hoping for. And while there's always room for improvement in teaching, and in this case, coaching, sometimes the kid just has to do the work, and sometimes the player just has to do their damn job. They didn't yesterday. As far as the players are concerned, and Underwood, I think, said this, Sincere Harris was the only one with a concerted effort the entire time he was on the court. And that's a problem. This team thought they were going to waltz right in and beat Penn State. I walked into the State Farm Center thinking, we're going to beat Penn State. Why? Just because. As a fan, I can do that. As a player, you cannot. There was some something percolating in that locker room since the Texas game. And I don't mind riding this wave, riding this journey, and seeing how the team responds from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Now what do they do in the next stretch of games? I think ultimately they will come out fairly strongly in the next five, six games. And we will not really worry too much about Brad Underwood making a fart noise in the post-game press conference or calling out his players. But I think it is okay, to a certain extent, it is okay for him to call them out. And I'm not an absolutist in terms of, well, you can never call out a player. I'm not there anymore. And whether that's old age or name image likeness or being a teacher, I'm I'm sure it's a mix of all those things. But yeah, sometimes it can be absolutely maddening when you feel like you are putting them in a position to succeed, but they just are not taking it. So that that is my <laughs> soapbox, if you will, coming from a complete apples and oranges comparison, but recognizing that I, as a, a public school teacher, find myself in situations where I am doing things that allow them to be successful, and sometimes certain students don't take it. Well, imagine then Brad Underwood's frustration with high-level athletes that just beat the number two team in the country, unable to even keep it close with Penn State. This is the process, I suppose. You know, this is a very different experience than the last few years, though keep in mind, every year there have been early season stinkers. Usually against better opponents, but let's not forget, back in 2019, the pre-COVID year, we got smoked by Missouri in the Bragg and Rights game. There was no business getting smoked. The COVID year, 2020, we have to go to Columbia because of a coin flip. Thanks, Andy Katz. And we lose to that stinky Missouri team. You know, the, these things happen. Yesterday, it was a little more resounding, though ultimately, despite this preamble, I'm not overly concerned yet. I'm still pretty high on things, and I think that we have more reasons to be optimistic than not. We got a lot to talk about today. Listen, here's the thing. I'm not sure how long of a podcast this is going to be. I'm not even doing the live feed. I just wanted to come down, record this early while I was drinking my morning coffee, get it out there for you. And it's a far cry from Thursday's podcast, but by no means will it be an alarmist one. So before I get too far ahead of myself, 
Quick note of our sponsors, DP Dough Online at dpdo.com. All the best deals and prices at dpdo.com. Custom zones with any topping you want or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdo.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. As we get into the winter months, not too late to get a furnace checkup. And while you're at it, save money by scheduling a spring AC checkup by giving them a call today at 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Rector Construction, online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior projects, these guys are the goods. Expert craftsmen, great customer service, and... They give back to their community. As a townie, I appreciate that. That is rectorconstruction.com, R-E-C-T-O-R, construction.com. Finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. We've been with Brian for a couple years now. Plan on being with him for a long time. That is Brian Hansen, your State Farm Agent at brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners of the 200 level, and we appreciate all the ratings and reviews and Apple Podcasts. I think Spotify has a feature. And even though we are not doing the video for today on YouTube Live, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We got links up at our Twitter uh, at the 200 level that you can find for that. Okay, so this is kind of a sleepy podcast in that... (sighs) What excitement is there? I will say, walking into the stadium yesterday for an 11 a.m. tip-off against Penn State, I felt that buzz. Got to give kudos to the young girl who did the violin national anthem. That was chill-inducing. I love the solo instrument national anthems. If I recall last year, the Penn State... No, it was the Purdue game, I'm pretty sure... Purdue or maybe the Michigan one before that, me and my friend Ken. Oh, I know what it was. It was the Arizona game in December. That's what it was. And I think it was another violin or just one instrument. And then you sort of get the crowd. They murmur the words and it's very almost eerie. Mix that with the excitement of a sold out crowd and the homecoming after beating the number two team in the nation. And okay, feeling pretty good. In fact, when Illinois went up five, I think it was 19 to 14 or 20 to 15, I thought, okay, we'll be fine. It, it, Penn State was making some threes, uncontested threes, mind you, and I was a little bit worried early on. And I kept, I actually sat with my niece yesterday and I told her, you know, yeah, we're making shots, but they're making wide open shots. So they got to defend. Otherwise, this will be a close game throughout. When we went down nine at halftime, I was still in this. Okay, let's see how they respond. That's been my default this year. Try not to get too high or too low. I'm still very bullish on this team, so my default still is, well, let's see how they respond. And not so great at the start of the second half. They go up 14, but then we get it back with a 9. And what's funny is every comeback, so to speak, only got you level with whatever that margin already was. Down 9 at halftime, they go up 14, we get it back with a 9, the crowd wakes up. But then you got it within five. At that moment, I thought, we're winning this game. It felt like we had some juice going. It felt like the excitement was back. Sincere Harris, of course, was on the court when this was happening. Problem is, Sincere can't play 40 minutes a game. And he is offensively limited. So you can't you can't have him out there forever. And he is still ultimately an undersized guy where someone like Pickett will get his on a guy like Sincere. By the way, Pickett, was unbelievable. And this leads me to my first real issue with yesterday. 
I should say focused issue. Terrence Shannon Jr. was bad. He allowed another six foot seven guard to completely outclass him. And that is that's gotta be pride. You have to say, I'm not gonna let this guy get his. Let me guard him, coach. Let me shut him down. I'm six seven too. Didn't happen. Offensively, a complete no-show for Terrence Shannon. I, I don't know where he was. And this was the case for regulation against Texas as well, which we chalked up to, well, he got banged in the eye against Maryland. Maybe that's what we're seeing, the, the lingering effects of that shot to the eye. So there's a reason why, when asked by Jeremy about Terrence Shannon Jr.'s leadership, Brad Underwood made fart noises. Now, we saw yesterday, there was actually a tweet from Terrence Shannon's mom. And uh, we found this in the text thread. It got posted on Twitter. Uh, Miss Redding said, I'm not even going to say what I want to, but you win as a team and lose as a team. One person can't win or lose a game. Hashtag fart on that. Hashtag one band, one sound. Okay. That is Terrence's mom, I believe, and it. I have shades right now of uh, DJ Williams' mom getting all pissed off after we lost to, I think, West Virginia. This was five, six years ago over Thanksgiving weekend, and DJ didn't play. Well, this is not a case of Terrence not playing. He's just not producing. I, I love Terrence Shannon's game. I think Terrence will be fine, and I see a tweet like that from mom, and I think, you see, this is... This is, as a teacher, kind of what I sense with parents. And I don't know how well this is going to sound, but I'm going to go with it anyways. I don't know what the hell is wrong with parents nowadays. This is a mom defending her son, and that's okay because an adult man, Brad Underwood, somewhat immaturely used fart noises in a press conference. It doesn't bother me, but I will acknowledge the immaturity of it. But instead of the parents saying, well, son, how was your leadership? Is coach right about that? Instead, you get pissed off tweet. Instead, I get a pissed off email if I tell a kid that they can't go to the bathroom. This is anecdotal, perhaps. But I do think that the way parenting is now, and Jesus, I'm going to sound like an old man shaking his fist at a cloud, but the lack of accountability that a lot of younger people have starts at home. And who's left footing the bill? Coaches, teachers, other adult figures that are not the parent. I often talk with my teacher friends, and I'm lucky to work with the people I do. We have a blast. It is truly a job that I'll do it for the rest of my life. I I love it. But the biggest frustration is not the kids so much as it is the parents who coddle them and and let them essentially feel like, well, don't worry what the teacher says. Don't worry what the principal says. I mean, this is a, a thing that is really far deeper rooted than you might think. And it can make parts of the job difficult. The mom tweeting this out about Brad Underwood making fart noises, as I sleep on it and think about it today. Yeah, she's defending her kid. That's fine. But (sighs) the kid chose to play for Brad Underwood. There's no secret about who this guy is, right? 
So the fact that he was called out in a press conference after playing, let's be honest, a dog crap game. And then the mom, instead of (laughs) just being quiet, goes to air her grievance on Twitter. Okay, fine. I'm not even going to mention the fact, well, I guess I am, that the mom has those rabbit ear things on her avatar on Twitter. A grown woman with rabbit ears on her avatar. Great. Very mature. It's just a little... The outcry, right? I'm trying to reconcile myself with this because acknowledging the immaturity in Brad Underwood, making a fart noise, and questioning individual players, we can have a legit discussion about that. And even myself, I'm not entirely sure if I'm in agreement with everything that he said. But on the other hand, Jesus, they did play like dog crap yesterday. And, and how would you want your coach to respond, I guess, is the question. I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'm having this sort of, not existential, but a, a philosophical change here. And whether it's my profession or whether it's getting older, deciding how much accountability do we put on the adults and how much on the kids. And I say kids, but 18 to 22, how, how young is that? Well, it's young and dumb. We would all agree with that. But it's also a position where now these kids are being compensated. Terrence Shannon Jr. is making money to play basketball in Illinois. Matthew Meyer is making money to play basketball at the University of Illinois. Otherwise, he would have went to North Carolina. The cat is out of the bag. These athletes are compensated. So, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s mom, your son is doing okay. I'm guessing to the tune of six figures or so. Would you say the same thing if the NBA coach that Terrence will inevitably play for questions him in a press conference? Would we say the same thing? Somehow I doubt it. Though I don't know. I can't be too sure. Maybe there are moms of athletes that if Billy Donovan questions DeMar DeRozan, does DeMar DeRozan's mom go on Twitter and complain about it? Now, he's making far more money than Terrence Shannon Jr., but let's stop with the illusion or delusion that they are truly student athletes anymore. In a way, I feel unencumbered now that there's name image likeness and we can stop this charade that let's protect the the student athlete. Well, at a high level program like Illinois basketball, where these 12 athletes are in some way, shape or form, each of them getting money to play the game, I am less sympathetic to their plight. I am. Don't let this sound like I'm against this team. I am bullish on this team. I love this group of players, and I think that yesterday was the aberration. But this is more in response to the response yesterday. I would be interested to see if Terrence was even that bothered by what Brad Underwood said. He's a grown, young man. He's 22, 23 years old. He's a fifth-year player by all accounts, was a leader and probably still is. But if this is a coach, a mentor position kind of thing, trying to light the fire under a guy like Terrence Shannon Jr., let's see how he responds. What's Terrence going to do? Quit the team? Transfer out? Too late for that? No, he's going to play out the season. And as a 23-year-old, I'm assuming he's 23, he has the choice to either take this Rather harsh criticism, I will agree to that, and either say, screw that, 
I'll be the leader. I'll be the guy. Or call into a shell because mom is pissed off that fart noises were made in regards to her son at a press conference. I doubt it's going to be the latter. So it might just be a doting mom being a doting mom. But can you imagine (laughs) the kind of crap that Underwood has to deal with when it comes to parents? I mean, all this stuff was out about Adam Miller's parents when he decided he was going to transfer because he was afraid he wasn't going to be the guy. Adam Miller's doing just fine at LSU. But even broaching that and saying, well, I mean, you know, it's, it sounds as if mom ain't too happy and mom's a little bit annoying. I cannot imagine on the small scale that I have to with certain surly parents, I cannot imagine the degree to which these guys have to deal with it, these coaches at a high level. And I'm, it's playing the world's smallest violin for guys that are making upwards of $5 million to coach basketball. Trust me. It's a small violin I'm playing. But all I'm saying is, I guess, my main point, long-winded as it may be, these are big boys. Terrence can handle it. Coleman can handle it. These guys can handle it. And I find it, I guess, refreshing that there is a coach here willing to call out his own guys knowing that they will probably respond. I am a little bit, not perturbed, but surprised, let's say, that there is a section of Illini fandom that is not fully on board with Underwood. And I also want to pause myself and and try to see where they're coming from because I don't want to ever get culty about it and say, oh, Brad Underwood's the guy. Well, there are flaws to Brad Underwood at Illinois. There are the somewhat inexplicable losses like yesterday, which always keep you a little bit, uh, okay. There is the lack of tournament success, which I think will get fixed. But if not, yeah, that's going to be a problem. So am I 100% on Underwood? No. I don't know what coach I would be 100% on other than like a Bill Self. I do think Underwood has the potential to be like that. But what I found yesterday, a little bit surprising, was uh, to give you an example, Casey Boguslaw, really awesome guy. We've had him on the show. But he does have a bit of a different perspective of this stuff. Excuse me. Alani fan, great baseball writer, and just had a couple tweets with him because I I respect Casey and I figure this is what he thinks. He was a little bit disappointed that Underwood spoke like that yet again and even said, why does he need to act like such an ass? Well, I was saying many of the same things when Illinois was not winning under Underwood, so I can empathize or yeah, I can empathize at that point of view that Casey has and I know he's not alone. Uh, I think I just give Underwood more of the benefit of the doubt, given the fact that we're in year six of the Brad Underwood experience, and he was able to flip this thing around almost completely, where if they had just made a second weekend in the last two years, there would be zero doubt that this is the guy. Now, for him, he didn't do that. Losing to Loyola the way they did, kind of inexplicable. Still a very puzzling loss that I don't think I'll ever fully understand. And I don't think Underwood himself fully understands, and that's a little bit scary, right? So that is really what I think is keeping some of this uncertainty alive. So when yesterday happens and he responds the way he does, it can, understandably, feed into, 
Well, now he's being an asshole again. I'm guessing in that locker room, I'm ge- and this is complete conjecture, but I'm, I'm guessing they're okay with it. They signed up. They signed up to play for Brad Underwood. He's a fiery guy, and I'm guessing in practices there's more than a few f bombs that are thrown around there. However, there is a counter to that. This is a coach that, while he can show absolute rage, can also show absolute joy. And we are talking about athletic competition. And you see the way that they embrace this guy after big wins and he comes in the locker room and they're you know celebrating and all that. I don't think that's inauthentic. I think they ride that wave with him. Maybe not to the same degree where they almost have a cardiac episode after the goaltending call at Madison Square Garden, right? I don't know if they do that. But they were laughing about it afterwards. Brad Underwood is authentic, but also he knows his role and he's playing it to a T. So when he pushes buttons and, and you know channels different emotions, this is him trying to get reactions that he wants to get. It is very performative. As a coach at that level, you are kind of an actor. I think that's one of Brad Underwood's strengths. And if they come out and they continue to be flat and all of a sudden we just see Brad Underwood all it looks like he does is yell and it's just not registering, I would understand then some serious concern. But the history, now that we're in year six, would suggest that that's not going to be the case. It is good and bad news that we have a week before Alabama A&M. You know, I I wouldn't mind a get-right game quicker, but this is finals week, so they always do this week off and... I think taking a break is actually probably not a bad thing because this was a very eventful 10-game stretch. I also like the break before the Missouri game. You play Alabama A&M to stay fresh. Five days later, play Missouri. You you win the next three non-conference games. That would put you at 10-3 and three with two major marquee wins. And to this point, no losses that will kill you in March. We'll see what Penn State does. I got to think they make the tournament. My God, oldest team in the country. They got big guards. They got good guards. I'm a little confused how they lost to Michigan State at home. But then Trevor reminded me they shot one of 15 from three that second half. Maybe because Michigan State got out and defended them. I think Penn State finds their way to the NCAA tournament. Try not to be a prisoner of the moment, but I think they do. And then Shrewsbury. Hey, not a bad coach. If you would just shot a little better in the second half and Penn State has shot somewhat normally, they beat you by six or seven and we don't feel terrible like we do after a 15-point loss. But when they went on that 9 nothing run, when you got within five and then boom, 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 three threes in a row, it was almost comical how efficient they were. That one, just for the result and the margin, there are aspects of it I'm willing to wash my hands of. But the overriding thing and what we focused on today's podcast was the response afterwards by Underwood and the response from people to Underwood's response. I am not going to dismiss anyone that would look at Underwood and say that was too much. I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Whitman talked with him about that. You got picked up by some national outlets for making a fart noise in a press conference on a question about one of your players. 
And anyone that says that is immature, I'm not going to disagree with you. And if you say that's not classy, even though I really think classy, I don't give a crap. That, that word is so overused in sports. But if that bothers you, that is just. It is just. But I also don't want to go overboard. And ugh, I already did my diatribe about parents and the coddling of America's youth. I mean, sometimes you just want to say, let the kid get, let kids should be able to get talked down a peg or two by an adult that knows what they're talking about. I say kid. They sometimes need to be put in their place and held accountable for the things they do or do not do. And respectfully, yes, there is why the fart noise is so controversial. Respectfully, absolutely. But I get the feeling there was an actual conversation held between Brad Underwood and Terrence Shannon yesterday. And between Brad Underwood and a lot of those players yesterday. Actual conversations. So the performative aspect of the press conference is what we're focusing on. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that building this week. And you know what? The way things are now, things tend to trickle out and and you get an idea about where the team is at. But I don't think they're going to fall apart. I don't think they're going to collapse under the weight of Brad Underwood calling them out. Do you think they went home last night, ate Ben and Jerry's, and watched a bunch of rom-coms to try to feel better about themselves? No. I'm guessing they went on their PS5s and played some 2K and hung out and went back to being college kids, see a practice tomorrow. As they should have. They will be fine. So, what's the takeaway in this podcast, you know, this particular episode? What, what is my point? Brad Underwood could have handled that better, but at my core, it does not bother me. I'm not going to feign outrage or take offense to him calling out his players. Not now, not in this current climate of college basketball. Knowing that these guys are getting compensated for what they do now. And in some cases, I'm guessing handsomely uh, compensated. That's one. And then as far as the team going forward, while I'll take a wait-and-see approach, I'm still overall more optimistic than not that they will figure this thing out. There's so much talent on this team. Ultimately, I don't think the freshman played all that badly yesterday. I got to give Sky Clark. I, I know that he just was launching. It felt like he was launching some threes there and was not making them. But no one else was shooting the damn ball. For a team that was really passive yesterday, just like I said about Jaden Epps at Maryland, shoot the ball. Sky didn't make him. That's okay. They weren't terrible looks. I know they weren't within the flow of the offense, but at least he was shooting the damn ball. More than you could say for some of the veterans. I like that. I like Epps. I like Rodgers getting low and getting some buckets in the interior yesterday. He looked more him. He looked really comfortable yesterday. I think that's an encouraging sign. And you know what Sincere Harris is. Kid is a dog. I absolutely adore Sincere Harris as a player. My God. So still, more reasons to be optimistic than not. We got our butts kicked. There is an embarrassing aspect to that game, no doubt. But... How do they respond? That's the refrain. And I'll keep saying that. Hopefully, though, I'm not saying that mid-January. How do we respond? We're two and six in the Big Ten. I don't think it'll get to that point. I think that history suggests 
it will get better before it gets worse. And we know already this team has had a couple wins which suggest they can be ahead of schedule, but yesterday was the Valley in a non-conference that had a few more peaks than Valleys. All right, going to get out of here. This is a shorter pod. That was one of the more soapboxy pods, I admit. But um, upon reflection, I didn't wake up today like, damn you, Underwood. It was more, okay, we sucked. He called it out. And in my mind, that's okay. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Get your furnace check and schedule ahead of time a spring AC check. Save some money that way by calling 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. Rectorconstruction.com and State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. I appreciate you all tuning in. Sorry for the no YouTube feed. I just wanted to come down, knock it out, get it done today. Enjoy the rest of my Sunday. I hope you do as well. We'll be back, I think, with a midweek pod, and we'll see if any news breaks with football and recruiting and transfers. I got to think some shoes drop this week and hopefully some good news on that front. Uh, Otherwise... Well, well, we'll be back sooner rather than later. I'll say that. What night? I'm not sure, but I'll keep you all posted. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will see you soon. It is the 200 level. 